How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello there, everyone. We're locked in for episode 158 of Lockdown Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Lockdown Thunder is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Head on to iTunes, search Lockdown Thunder, subscribe to the podcast there, leave a review once you're on that page, and find us on audioboom.com. Log on to normantranscript.com. Check out my blog, Thunder Road, under the sports tab on the site. See all my Thunder coverage there. On every day of the week, Monday through Friday, this one's going up Tuesday morning. The Thunder play Portland at home after that three-game road trip. Lost all three games over the weekend uh, at Portland Thursday, at Phoenix Friday, at Dallas Sunday. All defeats. Portland at home. But more importantly, I have a wonderful guest for the 11th time. The 11th time I'm having ham. That makes me a terrible Jew, John. (laughs) I don't think this is a kosher visit. Nice. That's a, very nice. I, I I can't say anything in, in response to that. I just I just have to applaud. Yeah, if we weren't uh, if we weren't recording, let's let's not pretend that you wouldn't say something if we weren't recording. <laughs> so uh, I told you I was going to throw crazy topics at you today. So okay, why don't, why don't we? Uh, I'm recording this from the Thunder practice practice facility. By the way, this is the first episode I've recorded actually in the practice facility. So how about that? Normally I record at home or in a hotel or maybe in an arena. Now I'm doing it actually in the practice facility. At any given moment, a Thunder PR person could walk in and hear me talking about the Thunder and could just jump on my podcast. There, there you go. Where so I'm just I'm basically a place I'm a placeholder. That's what you always are. You, you, well, yeah, I guess that's true. Look on the bright side. Jerry doesn't even get to be a placeholder. That's right. That's Jerry, right. He, he <laughs> he's just off somewhere. Not listening to this and just very upset about how he's not on. Yeah. Uh, so, John, I, oh, I, you know, longtime listeners know who you are, but I'll give your credentials. I, I kind of stopped giving your credentials when you come on now. But, John, John is a host at the franchise, 1077. He is the Thunder writer for Bleacher Report, uh, and he also does the Down to Dunk podcast. Am I forgetting anything else? Those are the, yeah, those are the highlights. On my all, all my side gigs, I think you just rattled them off. All right, so now that we've gone through highlights, let's talk about some lowlights. Uh, yeah. This so road trip was not the best. This road trip was not the best. Uh, they played poorly. Uh, it was probably the nice way to put it with the way that they played in Portland. Uh, Phoenix, they were good for 10 minutes in the Phoenix game and not good mm-hmm. for 38. Although Russ was just a ball of energy in that fourth quarter. He had 20 points and nine boards in the fourth quarter, which was just crazy. Uh, and then uh, and then that Dallas game, I'm not sure if it was their worst game of the year, but I think you can make an argument that was their worst performance of the year. They were really down. Now, granted, no Oladipo. They didn't have Alex Abrinas for 
all of the second half and, and a good chunk of the first half there after he got poked in the eye. Uh, he was a practice on Monday morning. He's, he looks like he's going to be fine. Old Depot was back to practice on Monday morning too, and there's a possibility he's going to play on Tuesday night. I don't know if it's going to happen for sure because they work real slowly and cautiously with this stuff, but he will participate in shoot-around as of now, and he's cleared for shoot-around. So it looks like he's going to have a better chance to play on Tuesday than he has in other opportunities where they basically approach Daz. They're going to see how he feels after you know after shoot-around and see where he's at. Donovan flatly said he's cleared for shoot-around. Not for the game, but for shoot-around. They're going to see after that. So it, it, the uh, at least the language is a little bit better. But what what did you see from this road trip that, that stood out the most to you as just, wow, that is something that they need to get better at right now? Well, you mentioned the worst game of the year. It's going to be awfully tough to beat that game at Memphis How about earlier she- this year. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking Chicago at home. Yeah. But, but yeah, you make a good point. That That one... I, whenever I think about worst games of the year, home games are always just what come to my mind because, like, a road loss to a good team is, like, in my mind, like, usually excusable. But you're right. That Memphis loss, like, that was um, that was kind of an exceptional moment. That was a – I mean, Memphis is a good team, and that was on the road, but that was a bad loss. That was really bad. So I, I throw that out there because uh, that was in the midst. If you'll remember, they beat – uh, the Clippers varsity team a couple of nights later, then they lost three straight road games. And then everything was fairly okay with this team. I mean, this is a team that beat Cleveland at home and has won at Utah and beat Utah at home. So uh, I've, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people as is usually the case when there's a losing streak, I see people kind of lining up to, to leap off bridges, but um, yeah, I, I hate to make it just this simple, but it really helps. If you're going to win a basketball game, it really helps to make your shot. And that's something the Thunder did not do in its previous three games. No, they did not. They are missing threes like crazy. So, so here's some. So, Andre Robertson, after the All Star break in those three games, was really hot. He was 13 of 15 or 13 of 14 or whatever it was. And I can't remember if I said it or if I said it on the podcast or I tweeted it or I wrote it because. My whole life is just my. I've blacked out my whole life now, but <laughs> that's what this job does here. You. you just it just all goes. You know this, like it just it all goes away. You don't remember yep. what you said or when you said it, and people can hold you accountable for what you said because you did say it, but you just don't remember saying it. And, right. And uh, at some point, I did say that uh, when after those three games, I was like, well, let's see what happens on the road because Andre Robertson's road splits are insane. He's 33% from three at home, which is pretty good. And he is 15% from three on the road. So let's see if he shoots okay on the road. And uh, he did not. He was, I think, one of seven or something like that from three on the road trip. And that is a thing that's true for the whole team, especially lately with the way that they're shooting on the road versus at home. And it's almost like that six of six that Robertson was after the all-star break from three, like that wasn't sustainable. <laughs> like it was, it was going to come back to his average at some point. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the big thing to me. I mean, I, I look at that and I expected them to lose at least one of those games, right? This is the, this is the life of an NBA team that's in the middle, like Oklahoma city is. Um, and you, know, you throw in a back-to-back in there as well. You figure they're going to lose at least one of those games. But, yeah, they just they, – they, they did not look right. And I understand that there's a lot of reasons why they may not look right right now. Part of that, obviously, they're missing Oladipo. 
they're missing Steven Adams, even though he's actually playing, uh, and then working in the new players as well. I mean, obviously there's going to be some kind of adjustment and being on the road. So let me ask you a question. I'll ask you a little trivia question. If you already know the answer to this, you have to tell me, though. Um, so the Thunder have lost seven consecutive road games. The last road game they won was January 25th in New Orleans. So they haven't won a road game in about a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Over that stretch, they've had 10 home games, seven road games. What do you think their three-point percentage is at home, and what do you think their three-point percentage is on the road? Oh, man. Um, I would imagine – so my, my hunch, I don't know this. So my hunch is that maybe they're around league average. I'm going to say 35% at home, and I'm going to say uh, probably I'll, – I'll say like 27 on the road. So you think that the difference is about eight percentage points between home that's and just, That's just a hunch. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's your guess. I mean, you just, they, yeah. I wasn't expecting you to get this. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. I, I want to make you look. I want to discredit you. Okay. Okay. So you think it's eight points. That's a massive difference between home and row three point shooting splits. Eight points. Yeah. Eight percentage points. Double and it. I, double I, it, John. I, double it. They are shooting 38% at home and 24% on the road. Oh, my. Yep. Well, almost double it. Come close yeah. to doubling it. For it's for the old. sake of for the sake of drama, double it. It's fourteen <laughs> percentage points apart. And like to put that in perspective for people who can like you should be able to put that in perspective. But to to really put it in perspective, they're shooting. I think it's thirty eight point two percent at home during the stretch over those ten games. That's the same percentage from three that the Golden State Warriors are shooting on the season. So that is they are the Warriors when they're at home, and when they're mm-hmm. on the road, they are worse than Andre Robertson. <laughs> that is the disparity there like it is yeah it is um, it is unbelievable how different now now obviously that's that's a small enough sample size to where that's not going to be a thing for the rest of the season but it's a large enough sample size to where it's like that's a month and a half of basketball where this is happening it doesn't necessarily project out but the fact that it's already happened really hurts them yeah no doubt um I kind of expected, and I'm, I kind of arrived at that number just kind of figuring, you know, they are, are they at the bottom of in three-point percentage now, or is it Chicago? It depends day-to-day, game-to-game. Yeah, so. it switches. I'm, I, I can't recall. Honestly, by the time <laughs> this goes up on Tuesday morning, um, Chicago plays tonight, don't they? Uh, do they? I believe they do. So by the time by the time this goes up on Tuesday morning, it, uh, it might have already changed. Yeah, it could all be different. So, um, but yeah, I... You know, you, you hate to make it just that simple, but, you know, whatever they're dropping their first 12 consecutive three-point shots against Utah, they're going to look really good. They're going to look really good. But, uh, yeah, when the shots aren't falling, and then it just seems like, you know, there was the, the defense last night in Dallas was really disappointing. And some of that was just, I think, Dallas going with the small lineups and if this was a seven-game playoff series, maybe Donovan kind of figures it out in the midst of that. But in, you know, for one game, uh, Dallas just had them, and the Thunder couldn't really do much about it. Yeah. So Chicago does they play in Detroit tonight? Uh, so this might this this will be changed by the time I don't know in which direction by the time the podcast goes up. But right yeah. now, the Thunder are thirtieth at thirty-two point three percent, and Chicago is at thirty-two point four percent. It, it, it's a remarkable race to keep track of because I, I watch it a lot. The Bulls are still a worse three-point shooting team. 
Yes. Because they the Thunder create like five and a half more threes a game. Right. We're talking purely percentage points. Right. Uh, we are talking purely per- – this is this is Maguire Sosa here. Kind of is. On. Every day it's different. This is unbelievable. <laughs> This is amazing. This is like this is like greater than Russ versus Harden for MVP. Yeah, what it is. You, something, it's riveting. What do you think of Mark Cuban's comments saying that uh, Russell Westbrook is not in the mix for MVP and that it's a two man race between uh, LeBron? Well, I, actually, he didn't say two man race. He said it's a it's a great they're neck and neck between or whatever it was neck and neck between LeBron and uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook is not in the mix. Mark Cuban is uh, remarkably stubborn and consistent. I love it. Uh, Honestly, I think that's what it's all about. I think he knows that it gets people riled up in this area. Um, He he doesn't frankly care if people think that he's an idiot. He just, you know, he goes home and and looks at all the billions in his bank. I mean, he just, (laughs) he doesn't care. Uh, Obviously, he's not an idiot. Um, And I I, I honestly think, too, in the offseason, if, you know, if it was brought across to him, you know what, Russell Westbrook really wants to play for your team. Would you like to acquire him? He would trip over himself to make it happen. So, yeah, it, I mean, it, what's, what's great is also like, what what do you say? To be an MVP, you have to uh, you have to win fifty games, and you have to get your team out of the first round of the playoffs. Now, mm-hmm. the second part of that definition doesn't make any sense because the MVP is voted on before the playoffs. So, who the heck knows? Right. And even if we lived in a world where it did make sense, that would He's always sticking up for Dirk as he should. Dirk's his guy and the best player he's ever had. And and Dirk is awesome. He's one of my favorite players ever. And he's just like the most likable, like one of the most likable superstars of all time. I love Dirk. I won't speak a bad word about Dirk. But according to Mark Cuban's definition, Dirk's MVP year, he didn't deserve MVP because that was the year they lost to the eighth seed. Exactly. And then uh, I mean, I tweeted this. He kind of backed himself into a corner with that. Yeah. And, I mean, by his definition, then Kobe Bryant was not a superstar. Because after the Lakers traded Shaq, the Lakers did not win 50 games, did not have playoff success. Um, So it's, you know, again, he's being remarkably consistent. So I'll give him that. That being said, isn't Mark Mark Cuban the most likely NBA owner to end up in Temecula? Oh, no doubt. (laughs) There's no question, right? No doubt. No doubt. Uh, And, and again, it's – yeah. I observed this last night. I mean, during the game, there he is. He's he's on the floor yelling at officials about things. And I just hearkened back to that Woj article where there was concerns about him influencing and intimidating officials. And, you know, he's on the floor like an assistant coach yelling at officials during the game. It's like, can can, can you not just, like, step off and, and let the people do their jobs out there? You know, I, there is literally, I, I cannot think of another NBA owner, past or present, that is, um, that is that involved during the course of a basketball game. I'll be honest. Uh, there, there are certain things Mark Cuban does that I disagree with. Uh, mm-hmm. He can say whatever he wants about Russell Westbrook. I mean, that kind of stuff, he's not hurting anybody. He's giving opinions right. and he's giving basketball opinions. He's a basketball guy giving basketball opinions. It's entertainment. It gets people talking. It's good for the game. I have no problem with him saying any of this stuff at all. The only thing – there are a couple of things he's done that I have problems with. Sometimes he'll say things that are a little bit off that kind of rub me the wrong way. And, um, you know, I, I have an inherent bias towards journalists, obviously, and the <clears> stuff <throat> that went on with the credentialing with ESPN, which I was honestly yep. a little bit disappointed in the way that that was resolved in the end. 
uh, which yeah. I don't need to get into here, but I, I thought that, you know, they kind of gave in to Cuban when they didn't necessarily need to. That that was really disappointing to me with the way that he did that. Um, that was kind of dictatorial, and I was disappointed in, in how he did that. I, I wonder if he would go about that differently in retrospect because I do think he's a really intelligent guy. Uh, now, I wonder, you know, because for those who don't know, he, he pulled credentials from ESPN because he said ESPN – was no longer, you know, they had Tim McMahon on the beat for a long time, and because they were not very good, ESPN kind of pulled their full-time guy. Because ESPN doesn't really love full-time beat guys, especially not on bad teams. It's not a thing they do. Mm-hmm. Everyone doesn't have full-time beat guys. So they put him into, you know, McMahon started covering Memphis more and Utah more because those are more relevant teams, and Minnesota a little bit more. Uh, and they kind of used him as a utility guy. And Cuban didn't like it and pulled ESPN's credential because he wanted a full-time guy on the team. And I just thought that was wrong, and I thought it was – immature and there were better ways to do it. That being said, I like Mark Cuban. I think Mark Cuban is is good for the game. It's always good to have owners who are smart, who are innovative, and who care about winning. There are some owners who care about winning. Like, I believe that James Dolan cares about winning. But I also believe that James Dolan caring about winning is part of the problem with the Knicks. Because (laughs) he doesn't know how to handle the fact that he cares about winning. And I think Mark Cuban is, on the whole, good for that organization. They've created a great culture. Players love playing there. He treats players great. Uh, they they've they've kind of done this similar thing to what the Thunder do, which is you know when you when you show up in Dallas, like you know you're going to have a tremendous locker room and you're going to have be playing for your, in this you know organization that's going to treat you wonderfully in terms of your just quality of life. And that's not something you get with every organization. And Cuban kind of really was one of the first owners to really go all in on that in the modern era. Um, so I like Cuban. I think he's good for the game. And I, I like the guy he doesn't care if he's fined a million dollars for screaming about refs because he's so passionate. And I, I think that's great. I love the, the Westbrook stuff. I, I think he, he, he's just trolling. I really believe he's just trolling. And I think it's so funny. I think it's so funny. That is the, yeah, that is the way to sum it up. He's just trolling. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. Everyone gets up in arms. Everyone gets so mad. I don't even care to ask Russ about it because I, I feel like, you know, obviously the first time you got to ask Russ about it, you go back, you ask him, and then KD had the he's an idiot comments and yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but at this point, it's like we've gotten Russ's opinion. You know, where we're going to ask him the same question again? We've right. gotten his opinion. He's, get, he's, he's spoken about it. He spoke about it multiple times. He spoke about it in the preseason when Dallas played their uh, – Dallas played there in the in – or the Thunder played in Dallas in the preseason he spoke about it. So I, I don't feel the need to ask Russ about it. I don't think it's it's necessary. He's spoken about it. He knows about it. If he wants to talk about it, he can talk about it. Uh, he doesn't. I promise you. He does not want to talk about it, but I love it. I think it's so funny. It, uh, it, it's definitely – it livens things up a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I – and I know that there's some people that, that are just so much focused on, you know, you got to give respect and all that, but believe me, Mark Cuban respects what Russell Westbrook is doing. It's just too much fun uh, to be sitting on the other side of that and, and having that stand. How, where would you rate? So the Thunder traded for Gibson. They traded for Doug McDermott. Gibson's a free agent this year. Uh, he makes, what, about $9 million this year. McDermott's yeah. going to be a free agent not till 2018. So the Thunder have now Gibson coming off the books, Andre Robertson coming off the books. Do you think, what's your educated guess? On if Gibson comes back, How, where our better better question? Because I, I I can guess that you're going to say you think he's a rental on your educated guess. 
what do you think? Where would you put the percentages of him coming back? I, my my initial hunch is low. I mean, somewhere in the like ten percent range. And I keep going back to the idea that they were concerned about Joffrey Laverne's market value, and that was one of the that was one of the reasons why they were willing to move him in this trade. Um, and obviously, they think very highly of Sabonis moving forward. And um, now, on the other hand, Todd Gibson is a better player than Joffrey Laverne. So, if you're going to pay for someone, that's the guy to do it. On the other other hand, <laughs> if he's going to someone's going to throw a four-year deal at him this summer. I don't know if I'm the Thunder if I, if I go that far. If I'm willing to go, you know, four years and 50 or, you know, something in that range. Because uh, that fourth year is probably going to be, uh, I don't know, it, it could be stretched money at that point. So, I don't know. I still think it's fairly low. Um, and, you know, but we'll see. Maybe this team is going to kind of take the Portland Trailblazers mentality and just bring everyone back and kind of sort it out throughout the season. Maybe that's a possibility. Right. You know, something that, that isn't necessarily being talked about that much is, uh, you know, the Thunder. So Andre Robertson, I know Andre Robertson, they offered Andre Robertson um, a good amount of money during extensions, uh, during extension negotiations. Robertson turned it down. Mm-hmm. And they – but that means that they're at least willing to pay Robertson that much. And people talk about the possibility of going into the luxury tax and they got to pay Robertson. Uh, they can just pay Robertson's can still take him into the luxury tax. People talk about the, the unlikelihood of this organization wanting to pay the luxury tax for a team. That's, you know, a 45 win caliber team. That's not a championship caliber team. And I agree with that, but it's not necessarily sign him and automatically you're in the luxury tax. You've then got for the rest of the year, you can make an ensuing move to get back under. You can trade somebody. So I I do think it's possible. It's conceivable that they signed Robertson or they signed Gibson or maybe below 50% odds on this one without question, well below 50% odds, maybe sign both of them. And then they make ensuing moves so that they can still get under the luxury tax line because maybe they think they can bring back Gibson for a good value that's going to be a tradable deal. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they bring back, Robertson for what they think is good value and going to be a tradable deal, but he gets below market because, uh, you know, he's restricted or something like that. And somebody maybe he knows that there are, or there, maybe Presti knows there are organizations that like Robertson, but they don't have the cap room to offer him money and restricted free agency. But we could get something for him if we re-sign him and trade him. You know, there, there are scenarios in which they could re-sign one of or both of these guys and still not end up in the luxury tax because they move deals before uh, the end of the year when the luxury tax actually kicks in. And I, I, I think it's always been a misconception about this team's unwillingness to pay the luxury tax. Because obviously they did the past two years. They were willing to, this season, um, they were willing to moving forward. They were always conscious about the repeater tax and not necessarily, I think, triggering the repeater tax, but triggering a significant amount of repeater tax. So uh, I all that to say is I don't think this team is scared to go into tax waters next season if they like what they have. And there's a lot of young guys on this team that could improve. And this could be better than a 45 win team, for example, you know, just by internal development and bringing guys back. So um, I I would just caution to, you know, if anyone out there thinks that this team is going to do whatever it can to avoid the luxury tax, I I don't think they're going to do that necessarily. Well, one thing, John, I think we do need to, specify 
which is which is why I said championship caliber team versus forty five win caliber team. That was a a Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka team that was going into the luxury tax. That was a fifty five plus win team that had the the ability to win the championship any given year. It didn't. It had the ability to win the championship any given year. Plus, they were in a position where they're trying to re-sign KD and they're trying to re-sign Russell Westbrook and they. They have to show this part of the organization. If they're not going into the tax, it just doesn't look good. And I'm not at all saying they will never go into the tax unless they're in that situation. But, I mean, the Thunder are not the only organization in the league to where if they're a 45-win team, it's just not good business for them to go into the luxury tax. It's not good business to set them up to have to pay a repeater tax when all of a sudden they're, they're, in, they're in a championship caliber year now and two years, three years, whatever it is. And now all of a sudden they're they're paying the repeater tax in the first year of a championship caliber year as opposed to paying the luxury tax in the first year of a championship caliber year. And I think that's the Thunder are not the only team that operates like that. And that's the way that a lot of the small market ones do. No, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, that is definitely true as well. So, like even uh, Chicago, it, Chicago, um, Chicago's paid the luxury tax. Hasn't Chicago? Chicago's the third biggest market in the, in the, in the, in the country. Haven't they only paid the luxury tax one time in their history? One time. And then there was another year where they, you know, they used the amnesty provision on Carlos Boozer, you know, so they actually paid, you know, $13 million, whatever, towards him. It didn't trigger the luxury tax, but, you know, it was it was additional spending that you normally don't see other Reinsdorf family. And really, that's what it comes down to. So, um, yeah, it, it, it really just, it varies. But um, it would benefit the Thunder if they could fall under the tax again for another year and reset the, re- the repeater clock. I, I'm just, I'm just saying that I, I think there are certain scenarios where they would be willing to go in and, and you know, let, let's just not assume that the West is going to be dominated by golden state, San Antonio, Houston for the next, you know, three to four years. And they need to, you know, they, they need to huddle uh, until then. I am going to assume the West is going to be dominated by San Antonio for the next 40 years. And you cannot well, convince me otherwise. Yeah, I guess that's true. Kawhi Leonard is still going to be averaging in like when Kawhi Leonard is fifty-eight years old, he's going to be averaging like, like, like twelve points and four rebounds and playing great defense off the bench under Coach Tim Duncan, and the Spurs are going to be winning titles. <laughs> it, it's very difficult to bet against them. Uh, it, they, they may they may slip a little bit, but they definitely won't fall apart. Right. It's going to be Coach Tim Duncan. And like 97-year-old, like, grand coach Greg Popovich. They're going to be the first first team in NBA history to have coach and grand coach. <laughs> and they're still going to be winning titles, and it's going to go perfectly. So this week, what's your prediction for the for the home games? Before we go, I know you got to run. We have got uh, – so we – Tuesday, uh, Portland. Keep... Thursday, the, uh, the Spurs. With Kawhi, by the way, is – Kawhi is going to come close. He's not going to do 50-40-90. He's going to come close to 50-40-90 while averaging 26 a game, while being the reigning back-to-back defensive player of the year, and still the best defensive player in the NBA. No one's ever done that, and he's not going to be top three MVP voting. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, I, he has totally flown under the radar completely. And I, and I kind of think that's justified. I would put him third over LeBron, probably. Uh, but putting LeBron over him is totally justified. I'm perfectly fine with that. I have no problem with anybody who does that. I totally understand the argument. It makes perfect sense. But it's just kind of amazing how high caliber this MVP race is that Kawhi has done that. Anyway, yeah. I just need I needed to throw that out there because he is so incredible. And 
maybe has has an argument for most underrated player in the league because he's a top five player and he doesn't get talked about like a top five player. Anyway, give me predictions for they got uh, tough ones all home though at least Portland, San Antonio Thursday, and then uh, Utah on Saturday. Well, since this team is shooting thirty eight percent from three at home uh, in the past what ten home games, obviously it lines up well for them, right? Um, I, I think. I think Victor Oladipo is going to get back. That's going to help out a lot. Uh, Steven Adams, you know, maybe, I don't know, getting back home, maybe they're going to find something to kind of get him back normalized. My my gut says one and two, but I, I'm going to be uh, slightly optimistic and say they're going to pick up one of those. They're, they're, they're going to pick up a win Thursday or Saturday. How's that? Okay. I'll take that. Three to four against Utah would be very nice for them, if only for tiebreaker purposes. Yep, no doubt. That'll help them a lot. All right, John, uh, where can the people find you? I am on Twitter at John M. Ham, and you can find my stuff at Bleacher Report, uh, occasionally at Daily Thunder on the franchiseok.com, and you can find me on the radio waves there. All right, great. And you can find me on Twitter at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z, and you can log on to normantranscript.com, check out my blog, Thunder Road, follow team coverage there, see what's next for the Thunder. That's going to do it for today. Back with you tomorrow after the Portland game. So I'll be recording late on Tuesday night for Wednesday morning like I always do after games. Until then, Locked on Thunder is locking up.